All right, so we are going to transition one more time into uh, worshiping through our teaching time. So I'll invite Vicki to come up, and if you would, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3 in your Bibles. Good morning, everyone. This is the Word of God. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with, it, with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things, when you were living in them. But now, put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, Barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule over your hearts. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Amen. Thanks, Vicki. Sorry it was such a long scripture reading this week. Somebody get her some tea on that. Yes. Hey, welcome. Good morning. If you're new, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad to have you joining with us. We are in a sermon series in the book of Colossians. Uh, We have today and then three more to wrap up the book of Colossians. And uh, in two weeks, we're going to actually sneak in an additional book of the Bible, a book of the Bible called Philemon. It's a really short little letter that goes along with Colossians. So uh, bonus, we get a whole extra book of the Bible that we get to go through on one Sunday uh, in a couple weeks from now, dealing with the subject of slavery and masters and all that really, you know, just non-controversial stuff. So be here in a couple weeks for that. And then after we're done with the book of Colossians, we're going to take a a period of time, I think it's seven or eight weeks, and we're going to do a topical sermon series focused on the church. Um, And there's a real specific heart behind that. First of all, we're about five years old as a church now, and as an elder team, we've been feeling for a while, there, there's so many new people that have joined with us since we launched. We did a teaching series on the church right when we first launched five years ago, but there's a lot of people who have joined with us since then, and we felt like it would be an appropriate time to kind of just do some reset and talk about what our, our convictions are. Why would we even gather like this? Why would we do community groups? Why would we sing? Why would we celebrate communion? But additionally, in this season, as you probably know, unless you're, you're brand new, that we're in conversations with Martha Lake Baptist Church right around the corner about merging together. And so this series would be a a helpful way for us to look at what the Bible says about being the church and for us to make sure as we're coming together as two church bodies that we have a similar uh, unity of vision and purpose of what it means to be a church. So we're going to do that. And speaking of the merger, I get people coming up to me all the time saying, hey, what's new with the merger? And right now it's just a lot of meetings, so many meetings. And uh, 
a lot of conversations. Actually, during the nine o'clock gathering, uh, Pastor Jason, his family was all here, two others of their elders, other people from Martha Lake. And then right now, there's at least three families that I'm aware of who are over at Martha Lake worshiping with them right now. And as soon as this worship gathering is done, I would love to stick around and shake your hand like I normally do, but I am going to bounce. Pastor Shane and I are going to run over there and actually spend some time with their members answering questions. So I would love your prayers after this uh, so that we could serve those people really well with the heart of love. And I would love if anybody is available to help maybe do some of the teardown afterwards to pack up since Shane and I are going to be gone. Where's Eric? Are you in the back corner there? Eric, you could go find Eric. He's the sound guy. He's the one making it sound awesome. Uh, And you can find him. And if you want to stick around for 20 minutes afterwards to help pack all this stuff up and put it in the trailer, that'd be really helpful. But with that said, Whew, we got Colossians today, and we got a lot of verses to get through, and a lot of do's, and a lot of don'ts, and a lot of because-wise. So I need your prayers. Will you pray for me, and will you pray with me as we go before the Lord? Now, God, thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you have loved us enough to give us clear instructions about what is and isn't pleasing to you. And I pray, Lord God, that we would always keep in mind the heart of the gospel that we are called holy, we are chosen, we are dearly loved, we've been uh, reconciled, a relationship of peace with God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so I pray today, Lord God, that you would help us to never forget the gospel. Even as we look at the rules and the laws and the commandments and the do's and the don'ts, Lord God, would you forever change our hearts to understand all of that has been fulfilled by Jesus. And if we've been united with him, we're now free to live a life that's pleasing to you. Help me, Lord God, guard my lips to only teach that which is in line with the truth of your word and give all of us soft hearts, even um, hearts that are open to correction and change and transformation. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. So my garbage man is mad at me. And it's my dad's fault. Uh, Sorry, dad, if you're listening to this on the podcast. Uh, A few weeks ago, my parents were staying with us and we'd put the trash cans out. And you guys have those different trash cans. You know, there's one for regular garbage and one for recycling and one for yard waste and one for toxic waste and one for, you know, there's all these different cans. And I'd put them out. And then my dad, being the helpful man that he is, he moved them back to the side of the house where we keep the trash cans, except he put them in the wrong place. And it's dark and it's rainy when I take the garbage out and I haven't looked in very closely. Long story short, for the last two weeks, we've been putting our regular garbage in the yard waste bin. And I wheeled the yard waste bin out to the curb, again, in the dark and in the rain, not realizing the great sin that I have committed against Republic services. And I put it out there and the garbage men came and I'd I'd gone. I think Aaron Lynn and I had run some errands and I came home and there's a big orange sticker on my trash. You guys know, have you ever received the big orange sticker? Well, I got the big orange sticker and it said, you know, sinner on it. And what had happened is the yard waste guy came by and dumped all of my regular garbage into the yard waste truck. So the garbage man had to go through by hand and pull all of our regular garbage out and put it back in. And I was in trouble. And so what I decided to do, because this is just the fun-loving guy that I am, I started looking through the Snohomish County laws and regulations about solid waste disposal. It was a Friday. I had nothing else going on. You guys ever do this? You ever just dig through the legal codes? Well, you're a police officer. You have to, I'm sure, at some point, right? And you don't even? Okay, well, join me in my safari of fun. So throw this first screen up here. I started looking. Okay, on the right, there's like policies and plans. You don't need any of that. We're just talking about the county code. And there are, I counted them, 19 titles dealing with bridges and airports and vehicles and traffics. It's, it's, it's code seven you want to look at there that there's health and sanitation. So you click on health and sanitation, Go to the next screen if you would. There are 20 chapters and uh, there's fun stuff like, if you notice, I don't know if you can read it, 7.34, the Solid Waste Advisory Committee. If any of you are looking for a way to like give back to the community, you could serve. I mean, just think about the fun-loving people that are drawn to the Solid Waste Advisory Committee.
committee. And then I looked through, well, there's 23 sections. There's, there's that. But the one that we really need to look in, uh, if you go to the next screen, is all about solid waste disposal. I'm not joking. This is what I do with my spare time. Uh, and so I'm looking through like solid waste disposal. I did notice the one on unlawful burning of garbage. And that looked fun, but I didn't want to click on that because I didn't want to give myself any ideas. So I clicked on actually Title 7, Chapter 20, Section 120, Unlawful Disposal of Solid Waste, Subparagraph 2. Go to the next one, please. Uh, And all this text comes up. And, you know, it's unlawful to dump your solid waste under the ground or whatever. But then actually it was paragraph, subparagraph two, sub, subparagraph A, B, and C, in which it says, I printed it here so I could read it. It is a class three civil infraction for a person to litter in an amount less than or equal to one cubic foot. But it becomes a misdemeanor if you litter in an amount greater than one cubic foot, but less than one cubic yard. And it becomes, friends, a gross misdemeanor misdemeanor, not just because it's trash, but a gross misdemeanor to litter more than one cubic yard or more, to which I thought, I need to measure my garbage. And again, do you know that we live underneath all these laws? Quick show of hands. How many of you live in Snohomish County? Okay. A lot of us, most of us. You ever measured your garbage? You need to measure your garbage. Okay, and then maybe you live in Linwood or maybe you live in King County, maybe you live in Bothell or maybe you live up in Everett. Wherever you live here, you've got city codes, you've got county codes, you've got state of Washington codes. I didn't even get into the state of Washington codes. Can't deal with the insanity there. And then we've got U.S. federal codes. And some of you are doing your taxes right now, which I like to describe as a complicated math problem where if you get the answer wrong, you go to jail. Do you realize just how much law we live under? Does it stress any of you out? (laughs) Maybe it should. If we tried to print all of this out, U.S., state, county, city, I'm not exaggerating when I say we could fill this auditorium multiple times over with just the printouts, like just the printouts of all the laws that you and I live under. It made me think of a quote from G.K. Chesterton where he says, if men will not be governed by the Ten Commandments, they will be governed by the Ten Thousand Commandments. Now, here's where it relates to our passage. I don't know if you noticed this today, as, as when uh, the wonderful Miss Vicky was doing our scripture reading today. There was a lot of do's and don'ts in our passage today. Put this to death, don't do this, do this, put on this, remember this, do that, do this. Now, a lot of people particularly those who are not regularly engaging with the scriptures, a lot of people think of the Bible like that Snohomish County sewage, you know, solid waste, not sewage, that's a totally different section. I did read through that section a little bit. It's even gross. A gross misdemeanor is even grosser in that section. Um, A lot of people think of the Bible that way. Just this whole big long list of do's and don'ts. And, and if you do this, this is going to happen. Like, like God is, is, you know, sitting up in heaven just trying to dream up ways to make our lives less fun. And here's the thing about the scriptures. If you've interacted with the Bible even a little bit, you know that most of the Bible is actually a story. It's a narrative of God redeeming broken humanity unto himself. But along the way, there's lots of different types of literature in the Bible. There's Psalms, songs, there's, there's poems, there's prophetic words, there's Proverbs, wisdom sayings. And yes, there are laws. Now, some of you, when you come to these sections of law and commandment and instruction, some of you really push against it. You're, maybe you're a little bit more like me, and you don't like people telling you what to do. Sorry, I'm just being vulnerable here, okay? You, you say, wow, get those lists away from me. And I, you kind of push against it. And, and maybe you have a, just that little bit more of kind of a, a rebellious sort of a heart or a rebellious sort of a bent where it's like, I don't want to be told what to do. Maybe some of you are a little bit more like my wonderful wife who loves the rules, maybe even a little bit too much at times. Oh, thank you. Could you just give me a list of all the ways to not, uh, you know, break the law and to do the things that God will like and I'll just live my life according to the rules and the charts. And friends, I want to suggest to you today, and I want to do more than suggest, I want to invite you into a, a world of looking at the Bible that is based on the good news of Jesus and it's based on this gospel and we really get the gospel. I want to teach us today that the gospel 
radically transforms our relationship to rules, law, and commandments. When we get the gospel right, when we get the foundation and the central nature of the gospel, by the way, the gospel, when I say gospel, I I don't mean something that you do. The gospel means good news. Do you do the news? If you do the news, you have done something bad, okay? If you, you, you read the news, you hear the news, you receive the news, the gospel is the good news about what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. In any sort of rules, laws, and commandments, now we're invited to do them as a loving response to the God who sent his son Jesus to live, die, and rise again for us, okay? Let me show you what I mean. Chapter three, verse one. So, so, if you, by the way, that word so is really important. Two letters, one little word, but it ties back to the last two chapters that we've been reading. These last few months as we've studied the book of Colossians, it is just, Jesus is amazing and he died and these false teachings don't hold up. The gospel's better, the gospel's better. Jesus is better. Jesus is supreme over everything. So in light of all of that, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. If all this stuff is true about who Jesus is and what he's done for you, we need to shift our mindset. We need to change the way that we think. Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, here it is again, on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Do you hear the commandment there? The commandment is you need to think differently. You need to change the way that you think. And as we go into this long list of do's and don'ts, it's, it's all about putting our mind in the right place to actually receive them. First of all, the gospel is about Jesus. I already said this, but I'm going to say it again because we're so prone to miss it. The gospel is not something we do. It is something that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We've been raised with Christ. That means that Christ died in our place for our sins on the cross, his blood being spilled so that we might receive forgiveness and pardon. It says that we've been raised with Christ. That means that Christ is also raised. He didn't stay dead. Praise God. We don't serve a dead religious founder. We serve a living and resurrected savior. And where is he now? He is seated at the right hand of God in bodily resurrected physical form in heaven with God, not only ruling and reigning over the cosmos, but he is interceding on our behalf day and night. Is that good news to anybody? And oh yeah, He's going to return. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. One day, the clouds will part and we'll see him returning in physical bodily form and all of the brokenness that we've known in the world will be done away with once and for all. There will be no more war and there will be no more racism and there will be no more sexism and there will be no more sickness or disease or death itself because we'll exist in glory with Jesus. Such good news. It's, it's, like, it's like Paul and, and Timothy are, are going to give instructions, but they can't help but just still piling on a little bit more gospel. Don't go to the rules just for the rules. Don't go to the commandments and the instructions without first pausing to reflect on the fact that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that even makes any of this stuff possible. Are you with me, church? Like, this is so fundamentally important. Like, I am, I'm on the record, I will quit preaching if I don't get to try to tell you that it's about the gospel of Jesus. I am not interested in giving you a bunch of principles to live by and do's and don'ts if it is not for the gospel of Jesus Christ empowering you to do it in the first place. All right? And I'm hoping somebody's with me here today. Now, we get into the do's and don'ts. There's a negative list, things to not do. And there's a positive list, things to do. And this is one of those passages that really just kind of preaches itself. I'm going to read through these words. I'm going to give some explanation along the way and I'm going to invite you to let your guard down and let the Holy Spirit bring conviction and correction wherever he wants to, okay? This is, this is uh, a preacher's delight because I get to just read you the word of God and share with you what these, what these lists say. By the way, I also want you to remember these lists are representative. They are not comprehensive. There are a lot more ways to sin against God. <laughs> 
than what I'm about to read to you. And there are a lot more ways to love God and neighbor than what I'm about to read to you. So don't get through the list and be like, whew, dodged a bullet on that one. I'm good. It's not, no. Mm -mm. That's its own sin and we'll deal with that later, okay? Remember, these are illustrations of what the life, what a life lived that looks like it's not congruent with the gospel and what a life lived looks like when it is congruent with the gospel. So with all that said, here we go. Verse five, therefore, put to death. Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death sounds pretty serious, huh? Not try to be a little bit, hey, think about, work on. No, like ruthless, ruthless. This part of yourself, what what belongs to your earthly nature. We have been saved by Jesus. Our spirits have been made alive with him in Christ. But how many of you know that if you're a normal human being, you still have parts of yourself. You're like, man, that just is not godly. Anybody with me? Your earthly nature. And then highlights a handful of things in the realm of, of misuse of God's gift of sexuality. And I just say this, you need to hear me as I read through this list and as you hear the Bible, the Bible is not anti-sex. Sometimes well-meaning Christians have, have presented that sort of a thing of, you know, all these rules related to human sexuality. God cares deeply about human flourishing and I can attest as a pastor who meets with people regularly, one of the most common 90% plus of the times that I'm meeting with someone to work through things and issues that they're, they're hurting and they're struggling because somewhere along the line, someone did not use this good gift from God in its proper intended way. Put to death sexual immorality. The, the, the Greek word there is porneia. Sound familiar to anybody? It's a very broad term that means any use of this good gift of God outside of the covenant of marriage between a husband and a wife. I've used the illustration before, but like fire is really good in your fireplace or in your stove, and it's really bad on your couch. (laughs) It's like that. It's this precious, powerful gift to be enjoyed between a husband and wife that results in the generation of a new human life. So your earthly nature wants to misuse this good gift. Put that to death, that part. Impurity. Uh, Impurity, the word there in the Greek, I'm not gonna use all the Greek words, but I knew there were at least a few nerds who'd want me to back up some of this, okay? The word impurity is the Greek word akatharsis, like not catharsis. You know that word cathartic, like cleanse? It's not. It's It's like polluted water. It's like yesterday when I spent some time in the yard kind of, you know, dethatching my lawn and and doing some, you know, pre-spring yard cleanup. And I went over to get a nice, cool drink of water. And I realized that my seven-year-old who had been out in the yard helping me had gotten to the water first because there was all manner of dirt and grass floating in it. I'm like, that is not cathartic at all. I need new pure water, right? It's this idea of like impurity, like, like something that should be so good has now been tainted, Lust. The word there is pathos. It's the Greek word pathos. It's where we get our word empathy. And pathos can be good or bad. It can be positive or negative. In the positive sense, you feel somebody else's pain. Pathos. I feel what it is you're feeling. In the negative sense, it's I feel pain and suffering because I want something and I'm not getting it. And then evil desire. Like, like, like the heart. Like Jesus said, it all goes to the heart. It's not just about the actions you do, it's about the heart underneath it, the evil desires. You don't even need to put those to death. Don't just say, I've never cheated on my wife, so therefore I'm good. Say, I have evil desires that I need to put to death. Evil desires like greed, which is idolatry. And in the context of this, I don't think that Paul and Timothy are speaking of greed just in a general sense. I think they are speaking of specifically a sexual form of greed, which we would think of as maybe like like lusting and fantasizing and just having a heart that is never satisfied, which they say is idolatry because it's worship of a false God. And you just try to stretch your imagination to think of a culture that worshiped sex. Just, I know it's hard to imagine on every product, on every, you know, you know, buy tires. Car, tires. Is there anything less sexy than car tires? 
No. <laughs> and yet, our culture has decided that's how we're going to be marketed to. Everywhere you turn. Again, God's gift of, of sexuality is such a, a, a good and beautiful and precious thing. It is to be safeguarded in the way that he wants it to be safeguarded and used in a way that is glorifying to him and ultimately what is truly satisfying to us. And any of these perversions, put them to death. Because of these things like these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient and there will be a day of judgment, friends. There will be a day of judgment. But, verse 7 You once walked in these things when you were living in them. Okay, we went through one little list of things to put to death and we're already getting another gospel reminder. Paul and Timothy are given another little gospel reminder. Hey, by the way, remember that this used to describe your life. This used to describe your heart. You used to live in them, but friends, remember what we've already been told. We have died with Christ and been raised with him. This is no longer our life. And if there are parts of your heart, parts of your earthly nature that still look that way, put them to death, but that's not who you are anymore. Is that good news? That's not who you are anymore. If your life looks this way, it's because you're forgetting the truth of the gospel. Remember the gospel, put this to death, keep on living the new Christ life you've been giving. But now verse eight, put away, put away. Now, a little less serious than put to death, but still like take these off. The language here, put away, and then actually in verse 9, says put off. It's the language of dressing and undressing. Uh, it's like, again, I'm out in the yard yesterday, my, my youngest daughter and I, and we're working in the yard, and we are dirty and we are filthy. And that's, you know, that's fine when you're working out in the lawn. But when we move into the living room to go sit on the couch that my wife cares about, we change clothes. It's no longer appropriate to be in these dirty, filthy clothes because we are now in the house sitting on the couch. And friends, you and I have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. We don't wear these clothes anymore. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language, and then lying as well. A lot of this has to do with words. Anger, very general term. Wrath is more of the cranky explosion type of anger. And you might be wondering, well, wait a minute, didn't it say that God had wrath? And, and my wrath, I'm just trying to be like God, okay? And uh, no, you're dumb, uh, first of all. And second of all, it's, it's a different Greek word. And third of all, God's wrath is perfect because he is perfect. His wrath is not the cranky loss of temper explosion. God's wrath is a long settled anger at this ca- the, the cancer of sin that is eating the world he deeply loves. Our wrath is like when I drove to Lowe's yesterday and the person was driving too slow, in my opinion. And this wrath starts to boil up. I'm like, what is, and I just went over these verses too. (laughs) Man, pray for your preacher, guys. And then malice is not the like cranky explosion. Malice is like scarier. Malice is like this cold calculating, I'm gonna hurt them. Like that's what malice is. Oh man, maybe you're not, maybe you're not loss of, you know, self-control. It's more of a slow burn. And slander and filthy language. So now, now we're getting into the words that come out of an angry heart. Slander is the word blasphemia. And we think of slander, uh, we think of slander as something that's not true. I think that's how it actually works in, in like, you know, U.S. legal code. Slander is, I said a lie about you and it hurt you. But in the Bible, the word slander, it just means any words, true or untrue, that are meant to tear you down and bring you harm. Blasphemy, it's, the, it's where we get our word for blasphemy. And then filthy talk, filthy language. It's, it's in the Greek, the, the root word is related to shame. Shameful. So it has less to do with, hey, here's these seven words that you're not allowed to say on TV, and much more to do with, if somebody played back a video of you saying whatever words you just said, would you be embarrassed? Again, it's, maybe we could do that. Maybe, well, we shouldn't do that because it'd be weird, but like we should videotape you when you're driving in your car on the way to Lowe's, saying words that come out of your mouth, and then play them back on the big screen. No, I don't want that. I don't want that, Sam. The idea being, it doesn't matter if you said words that would get beeped on TV or not, it's would you be ashamed of what came out of your mouth? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And don't lie. 
Don't lie to one another. And lying is not just, I made up some fabrication. How many of you know the old adage, a half truth is a, is a whole lie, right? We use our words sometimes to put ourselves in the best possible light and to put somebody else in the worst possible light. Don't, don't lie. Do not lie to one another. Uh, since, and here it is, here it is. More gospel reinforcement. Since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Again, this isn't who you are anymore. You might once upon a time have been a, a, an angry liar, but if you're in Christ, that's not your fundamental identity anymore. That's not who you are. It is inconsistent. It is incongruent to do those things because you have been given a new identity in Christ. And I love this in verse 10, you are being renewed, being renewed. How many of you are thankful that you're a work in progress, just like the rest of us? Ain't nobody here in this room perfected yet. We're all in progress in knowledge, according to the image of your creator. Okay. Here's where this is again, more gospel reinforcement. You are not working towards becoming a better version of yourself, you are working toward becoming a better reflection of Jesus. I'll just try a little harder, improve, self-improvement. No, like self-improvement. Christ reflection. I do, you do not want me. My wife does not, my kids do not want a slightly better version of Aaron. The people in my life who know me and are closest to me need more of Jesus and less of Aaron. And actually, the more I look like Jesus, the more truly Aaron I will actually be. And the same is true for each and every single one of you. You're being renewed according to the image of your creator. And then that image language brings up the image of God, which is mankind, male and female, created in his image and likeness, which, by the way, reminds us that in Christ, there's no Jew or Greek circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Image of God language. What are the things we divide over? Men versus women. Uh, uh, Jew versus Gentile. And you're looking at this like barbarian and Scythian. Like, what is a Scythian? Is it like the Grim Reaper with that Sith thing? Or like, is it, is this like a Star Wars thing? Like Jedis versus Scythians? Or how does this all work? Scythian is, uh, best I could, best I can determine from the context of the ancient Near East and the time and, and Asia Minor, it's like calling somebody a hick. You're like a rural, you know, even in our culture, you know, you get uh, famous people and celebrities go on TV. We just need to unite. We need to come together. And then they use a Southern accent to make fun of people as being dumb. It's kind of like that. Barbarian and Scythian, you know, it's the, it's the city versus rural sort of a thing. In Christ, there are no more Jedis or Scythians for all our... Right? You saw episode 9. J.J. Abrams was just ripping off Colossians 3. There's no more division. It's all right here. They just steal from the Bible and make billions of dollars off of it. Friends, the things that used to divide us no longer apply because we are all made in the image and likeness of God. Male, female, no matter your skin color, no matter your economic status, whether you live in the city or you live in the country, Christ is all and in all. And if we have been united to him, then we're united to all the other people who have been united to him as well. Okay? You hearing me on this? All right, so that's a lot. Is anybody still with me? I haven't lost anybody yet. Okay. Now, I, I, I will not take as much time to go through the positive list because it's the stuff in the negative list that everyone wants to fight about. Well, what really is sexual immorality, really? It's like, okay, take some time. Nobody's fine. Like, well, what does kindness mean? It's like, it means be kind, okay? So I'll go faster, but let me just pause, okay? We just looked at, best I can tell, 15 things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, idolatry, disobedience, anger, wrath, malice, slander, shameful speech, lying, racism, and classism. Just because maybe there isn't something specifically in that list does not mean you don't have things to repent for. 
There's an author named David Dark, and he has this line. There are many ways to hate God. So let the Spirit speak to you. Now, verse 12. Therefore, I love this, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Okay, time out again. Did you choose yourself? Did you tell God, I'm just going to be holy? Did you tell God to love you, not just love you, but to dearly love you? Did you have anything to do with those three descriptors in that first uh, verse of this section? That's all gospel. That's all stuff that God does for us. Friends, you're chosen. You didn't sneak into the family of God through the side door when he wasn't looking. You're wanted. Oh, and your life has been set apart. Holiness, sometimes we think about holiness as something we achieve. Holiness is a status. God says you are holy. That means pulled out of the the drawer and set out on the counter for special use. And you're loved. Oh, no, 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 sorry. You're dearly loved. How much, how much love does God have for you? How much can you imagine? More. More. This is gospel. Now we can talk about the instructions. If this is really true, if you're chosen, if you're dearly loved, if you've been called holy, well then put on, like the new clothes, compassion. Kindness. Humility. Gentle, gentleness, patience. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in that neighborhood? Who wouldn't, I mean, oh, put up the old list, put up that list and say, which apartment complex do you want to move into? Put up the old list, put up the new list and say, which one looks like the politicians who are leading our country right now? Put up these lists and say where you want to be. Do you want to be a part of the people of God or do you want to be a part of the people that are filled with anger, wrath, and malice? 10 out of 10, I know everybody really wants to live here. If you're a Christian, this is what you're invited to. This is what it looks like to live congruently with the message of the gospel. Bearing with one another. Oh, I love this. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against each other. So Paul and Timothy aren't idiots. They're not saying you're going to live in some perfect utopia. You spend any time around other Christians in the church, you're going to recognize that not only are you a work in progress, so are they. Do you know what bearing with one another means? Putting up with people. Raise your hand if you've ever known an annoying Christian. Okay? Some of you are like, I think I'm looking at one right now. Okay, bearing with one another. Like, yeah, yeah, I wish that they were different. They wish that you were different. You put up with each other. And then when a grievance actually happens, you forgive one another. Why? More gospel. Because the Lord forgave you. There is nothing that they have done against you that is more grievous than what you have done against the Lord. So in the words of the great theologian, Elsa, let it go. (laughs) Sorry, that just came to me right now. Uh, Above all, like most importantly, put on love. Keep dressing yourself in love. and, and, And love just gets so polluted in our culture. Love means what makes you feel good. That is not Love according to the Bible. It's not love according to the gospel. The love that God wants us to put on is love that says, I will do anything to see you flourish. I will do any, I will lower myself to serve you and to see you lifted up. And if you put on that kind of love, that's the perfect bond of unity. How are we all going to get along? How are we going to have unity? How are we going to come together? We're only going to be able to do that if we put on the kind of love that Jesus has poured out into our hearts. Giving, sacrificial, serving, lifting up of others type of love. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were called in one body, rule your hearts. Friends, uh, 
Like, I don't need to quote all the statistics at you, but just anxiety and fear at epidemic levels. And friends, the, the, I'm not saying that there's uh, not real things and real problems to be fearful about, but the biggest problem that any of us have ever had, which is a wrong relationship with God, we have now been given peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let that be the foundation for all of the other peace and how you approach any of the other fears and anxieties in life. And be thankful. Friends, what do you have that was not given to you by God? Nothing. So be thankful and and then let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Okay, people like me, a pastor in a church has a specific responsibility given by God to teach the word of God to the people. But best I can tell in that verse, this isn't about pastors. So who is supposed to teach and admonish each other? All of us, you should let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that you have something to share with your brothers and sisters. I get, uh, I get frustrated, uh, just sincerely as a pastor, feeling like I get 40 minutes on a Sunday to try to convince you that this stuff is super important. And then you're going to walk 42 minutes, 40, 46 minutes most Sundays, Okay. And then you walk out of here and you have six days and 23 more hours to be inundated with advertisements, radio, podcasts, books, movies, Netflix, politics, whatever you're into, sports. And, and, and I, I just, I'm pleading with you, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and then share it with somebody else. There is no preacher, there is no pastor, there is no church leader that can do it for you. Ultimately, it's you and Jesus. And then, but doing it, not just in like dry robot speak, through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I'm really glad that our God is a God of creativity and beauty. Anybody here with me? Like, like, it's not just, well, you know, make sure you get all your doctrines right and then make sure you go through and teach everything. It's like, sing it. Sing it. I mean, we, we as, a, as a leadership, we, we try to choose the songs that we sing on a Sunday very carefully because I know as a former worship leader myself that you're probably only going to remember the joke I made about the Jedi and the Scythians, but you're going to go out humming, it is finished, he has done it, let your weary heart rejoice. God is a God of beauty and creativity and there's something about the human mind where music helps things penetrate even deeper into the heart than just pure teaching and instruction will. So I should wrap this up and we should get to singing. So whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All of your life is in the name of the Lord Jesus. I mentioned this before. I'll mention it again. There's a book that I read in January called Bearing God's Name. It's by a scholar named Carmen Joy Imes. And she wrote this book about the commandment that we often translate, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And how we actually should translate it, don't bear the Lord's name in vain. Don't carry his name. That commandment has much less to do with with not saying the phrase, oh my God, and everything to do with you have been named by God. And the way that you live your life, yes, your words, but your overall life is representative of him. I linked to it up on the website. I highly recommend the book. It was phenomenal. But the idea is your whole life bears the name. If you're a Christian, you bear the name Jesus. You've been given a new identity. You've been given a new name to carry. Your reputation is not just your reputation. You speak of Christ with your life. So all that you do in word or deed, do it in the name of, representative of Jesus. Which is actually some more good news because when you think through this list, if you're anything like me, there's probably some conviction settling in. I haven't done so good here. I haven't done this, haven't done this, haven't done that. But friends, the good news of the gospel is that there is no greed, lust, or impurity in the heart of Jesus Christ. But he's a perfectly faithful husband to his bride, the church. The good news of the gospel is there is no wrath or malice or abusive speech from Christ toward any of us, only the pure words of truth 
and life. Jesus' heart is compassionate. Jesus' heart is kind, humble, gentle, and patient towards us. And he has forgiven us. And he loves us. And he's invited us into the perfect bond of love, the perfect unity that exists among the persons of the Trinity. And Christ teaches us. And Christ, we're told in the prophets, even sings songs of joy over us. So as you look at that list and you start to get a little bit overwhelmed, that's a lot of things not to do and that's a lot of things to do. Oh, you don't even know the half of it. And the good news is Christ already did it for us. So now we're invited into that deeper place of unity with him where he does this work of transforming us from the inside out so that we become not a better version of ourselves, but a better reflection of Christ Jesus. This passage is ultimately not about you and what you're supposed to do. It's ultimately about what Christ has done for us. And we're invited into the dance. So let me close with a very specific sort of application, okay? There's lots of ways that this could be applied. Again, a thousand ways. This, this literally could have been like 40 sermons. Uh, every single one of these words and phrases could have been its own sermon. So a lot to chew on, a lot to talk about. Let me give you a personal thing to do. And this is going to require some time and some space and some peace and quiet. I want you to get alone. I want you to unplug your phone, turn off your TV, unplug your home phone if you have one of those. Like it's 1993, I don't know. Uh, Get alone. And I want you to slowly read through this list of negative things, okay? Slowly read through the negative list and then just silently pray and meditate. When I say meditate, I just mean kind of mull over these words. Wrath, malice. I used to live these ways. Just read over it. Then, ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction and change. And then third, write down any areas that he brings to mind. I find there's great power in writing things down. Sometimes you have this, you know, these thoughts up in your head, but writing them down, it's like you can see them in a different light. Like, ooh, that is, that is bad. And if you're anything like me too, I I move on. In my mind, I forget. And writing them down means I'm going to have to stick to it a little bit. Then I want you to go back and repeat steps one through three with the positive list. Compassion and kindness and gentleness and love and unity and do all of that again. And then after you've done that with both lists, number five, pray prayers of repentance and mercy. I mean, you can just say, God, forgive me. I have not been gentle. God, forgive me. I have had impurity in my heart, greed and idolatry. And then after you've done that, I want you to go read those gospel verses, verses one through four. Go back and read the gospel verses again. Read the negative list, read the positive list, meditate, pray, write them down, ask the Spirit to show you where you need to change, where you need to have conviction and repentance, but then go back and Minister the gospel to your heart. And silently pray or or meditate on the character of Jesus. This is about Jesus. This is not about all the do's and don'ts for me. And then very lastly, conclude by praying prayers of gratitude and praise. Jesus, thank you that you have loved me with a perfect love. That you've called me unto yourself through the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Like, like, this is different sorts of prayer life besides, you know, Lord, I pray for so-and-so to get a job. Lord, I pray for, you know, such and such to happen. This is just purely gospel-based prayers. And it might be different for some of you. This is all up on the website again. You can come find me afterwards and we can talk through some of this. But this is so important for you to do when it comes to a list like this. The gospel radically and fundamentally changes our relationship to the rules. We don't go to the rules, certainly not to earn God's love. We don't go to the rules in fear, hoping that I'm living up enough. We go to the rules in gratitude and worship. Jesus, I cannot believe how good you have been to me. Help me to live a life that is congruent with what you have done for me. Lord, I pray for us now as we go into this time of response, as we sing, as we sing, Lord, and do what the scriptures call us to, to make 
melody and hymns and spiritual songs unto the Lord with gratitude. I pray we would do that. And God, as we go to the Lord's table now, would we even have a a time to practice meditating and reflecting where it is that you want to bring conviction. And God, may all of it be based on the gospel, the, the hope of our salvation, not anything that we have done, but everything that has been done for us through the person and work of Christ Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Friends, I'm going to lead us in communion here and we're going to welcome our younger students class to come in and join us for this time of, of response. So in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul writes that, that this, this meal that we're about to, to celebrate, and you should have received the elements on your way through the doors. If not, there's some outside of the doors. You can grab some real quick, but hold on to these. We'll, we'll, we'll have a moment of reflection prayer first. It says, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread when he'd broken it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Friends, this bread that we're about to eat is the broken body of Jesus Christ that was broken because of all the ways that we have sinned and failed. And he says, this same way, the cup after supper, it's, it's the new covenant written in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant. It's the new agreement. The agreement with God is that we will relate to him on his terms through the death and resurrection of Jesus. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is all about the gospel, friends. This meal is all about the gospel. There you go, Kenny. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Friends, if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus, please don't eat and drink. This is for Christians who have confessed their sins and trusted in Jesus. It's for Christians to do. Or even better yet, if you are not a Christian and you're here today, give your sin to Jesus. Receive his grace. Get that new name and that new identity we've been talking about and join us at the table and eat and drink. And for all the rest of you, I just invite you. It says, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So as the musicians will begin to play quietly and we'll just hold before the Lord for a few minutes. Let the spirit bring to mind anything in your heart or in your life that's, that's out of line with what you've been named and what you've been called. And then friends, give it to Jesus and receive his grace because you are dearly loved. God, as we hold now in prayer, I pray that you'd help us to just be honest with our hearts. Spirit, that you would search us. You'd bring those areas to mind for us that we need to change and need to grow in. And that as we eat and as we drink, we would even just experience your grace. Friends, let's hold now. You can eat and drink when you're ready.